0: Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host Mike. And this is our fourth episode, and this is our wrap-up show for uh, uh, this hopefully thematic trilogy. We we talked about Harvey, we talked about Donnie Darko, and JoJo Rabbit. Was this a successful thematic trilogy for you? Or or, or something that was uh, that stuck out visually or, or through any kind
1: of connective tissue in terms of plot? I think it depends on how you market it, Web. And <laughs> I think off mic or maybe in our initial uh, first film selection episode, you called this the Rabbit Trilogy, which I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, when I pitched this to you, because you, you came to me with Harvey. So let's start with Harvey. And I uh, I, I came uh, back with uh, Donnie Darko and Jojo Rabbit. And the, uh, the, the, the premise, the subtitle I was going for was uh, of rabbits and imaginary friends that was the remember that. and, and that's what i was looking for too I was like what did you call you because you were way more eloquent
0: than the <laughs> rabbit trilogy i
1: mean you're getting into that internet shorthand like you know assuming of rabbits and imaginary friends the trilogy has been around for 20 years you're on the message board just saying the rabbit trilogy or whatever acronym we have for it does it work so you brought up in our Harvey episode, uh it's it's funny, you know, watching these you, you start with a silly premise. Uh you you're like, all right, what other movies have rabbits in them and can we have imaginary friends? And yes, we can do that, even though JoJo Rabbit, uh, you have it in the title, is, is stretching it, where the you know, the imaginary friend is Hitler. Right, right. What one of the things that uh, that I saw in just my quick
0: research was that in Jewish folklore that the rabbit is associated with cowardice, and so I think maybe just how rabbits are used in uh, in in pop culture, in in folklore and mythology, I think that might be able to connect them as well, because that's kind of where where JoJo is. Like he, he's just kind of afraid of having his own opinion or being in the minority. Uh, you've got uh, the, the the supernatural force in Donnie Darko, uh, oftentimes like rabbits are also used as as the trickster archetype, uh, using using cunning to outwit their enemies is what is something that also that I read, uh, and and rabbits are also in in mythology used as a symbol of rebirth and you can maybe talk about how in in Harvey his life we we're seeing the second half of his life we didn't get to see the rich and successful and unhappy uh elwood uh we're getting to see the second half and that's maybe what uh harvey represents for him so i think like i'm actually very pro trilogy uh, uh for these three films
1: the i think they trilogy, really do as it's well known at this point
0: <laughs> right exactly <laughs> I, I think the three. I, I think that Harvey and Donnie Darko. Th- there is a bit of a following between those two films. And ugh, damn it, Richard Kelly. Like he he stated that I was like oh, I've never seen. Uh, you know, I never heard of Harvey. Like come okay, on, that's, man. That's
1: where I, I was going to take issue because I I was all proud of us uh, in this project. You know, early on, our, our first month out, because you mentioned in our Harvey discussion when they attempt to do a Richard Kelly, like explanation of the rules of the world, that Harvey uh, is not bound by, by time and space. And so I'm like, okay, so we got the time travel loop with Donnie Darko. You have, I guess our version of, you know, the, the, the bunny Frank here, uh, who is uh, Donnie's uh, possibly imaginary friend, or at least how other people uh, perceive it, um, you know, giving commands and instructions, which, uh, when you're talking about the, the fear, it is strange that in the, our middle part of our trilogy, our Empire Strikes Back, I guess, which is fitting for Dark Darko, <laughs> that uh, our lead character is very accepting of the information that's being thrown his way, which maybe is a young man. Uh, and it's very similar in Jojo Rabbit, like any any number of sort of bullshit can be fed to you, and if it's got the right amount of intrigue to it. If it's, it makes your life more interesting, you'll go along with it. Uh, actually, all three of the characters are kind yeah, of good that, right? Definitely. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Elwood is very accepting of the bullshit versus the the horrors of reality. He'd much rather be pleasant um, than, than face
1: any of the problems that the other characters have to deal with. But you have... So when you're talking about the element of fear, I think... And I think this is something that's just in the director's cut, the emphasis on Watership Down. Uh, I think I read that that was not uh, in the theatrical version uh, because they actually show they they, they have the the book uh, being the sort of replacement of fiction they have to read in class. Uh, And then you get to see the the film, which I am looking at my shelf and I do not own that particular criterion uh, for Watership Down. So, see, we uh, we we are failing at being the experts on the Rabbit trilogy because <laughs> 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 I've I've read the book, uh, but I think you're right. At least the scene that they use in the Donnie Darko director's cut, there is fear and distrust of the information that's being presented. So, like, what's unifying in all three of them is how open our characters are to receiving conflicting viewpoints uh or viewpoints that sort of take them out of their comfort zone and i'm even going to jojo rabbit where you have our lead character who from a very early age uh hates jewish people loves hitler and even probably an unseemly way (laughs) for the third um (laughs) imagining having conversations with him and breakfast and like getting hyped up for the uh the school day i guess uh but that's that's the one positive element, and maybe I guess the dangerous element of all the characters, is that to be that open uh, to living outside the norm uh, could have consequences. Not so much in Harvey, because you want something light. But my God, the success in Donnie Darko is to sacrifice yourself for uh, you know the, the the sanctity and maybe the uh, uh, the sanity even of your of your fellow man and neighbor that you can't stand and you find really obnoxious and annoying. Like, everyone has, like, a... Even the teacher that really hates Donnie gets a happy ending of sorts and that she gets to... Yeah. She gets to stay in her comfort zone of her belief system without being challenged openly by her heroes being revealed as pedophiles. I don't know if that's actually a happy ending now. So shouldn't we want Swayze to still be revealed? <laughs> You're right. That's a good point. And he, he was he was like my favorite
0: part of that film too like I just I careful, what, careful. no no no, no. <laughs> Just I thought the casting was brilliantly because like, uh, Swayze was another guy who was just it's impossible to dislike the character um, and really the best casting choice would have been Jimmy Stewart but you know. Um,
1: <laughs> wait we're talking about <laughs> Dying Darko <ghost> <laughs> <laughs>
0: right um what about the imagery of the rabbit itself uh in Donnie Darko it seems like it's something uh to be feared in Barbie it's something to be embraced and then in JoJo Rabbit it's, it, fe- it feels like all the images of the rabbit either seem uh, uh something a creature that's defenseless and and uh, needs to be protected even even towards the end he's looking through uh uh his uh you who uh jew book and one of the drawings his uh captive <laughs> um elsa has drawn is is a, a picture of jojo with a rabbit inside the cage do you think there is like a visual cohesion between the three films or is it just coincidence well
1: i I, I do think there is a um the the rabbit uh, as sort of a visual representation throughout all three uh, as some form of self loathing even going into Harvey because you know there is there is something that has troubled the Jimmy Stewart character about his previous life we, you you touched on it a little bit in that episode specifically asking me if I wanted them to dive deeper into it. Uh, you know, his imaginary friend has to be someone that is physically imposing, even to him, a very tall man. Yeah, to kind of yeah. like keep him into some degree of check, and that that that's present throughout all three films. Um, you know, Donnie Darko it is far more nightmarish. Even you know, even once revealed, um, uh, I guess in this realistic form as a Halloween costume. Dude, that is a fucking intimidating Halloween costume. Like showing up, <laughs> I can't, I'm trying to think. The other guy in the car, after this uh, Frank the Rabbit runs over uh, a girl laying in the road, uh, what is he dressed as? Is he, is he a, some sort of clown or something? I feel like he's in a very like colorful. You're right. Attire, and you're it's right. Like, yes. What an odd pair. Like if my buddy picked me up <laughs> in that Frank Rabbit outfit, I'd be like, "What is wrong with you? Like, aren't you? Aren't we trying to like?" score with chicks tonight like what are you doing
0: <laughs> is that what halloween's all about
1: <laughs> look he's 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 got a lovely girlfriend and maggie jillenhall and maybe, maybe she's in she's in kind of dark attire right maybe maybe that works for her maybe i'm, I'm i don't am know what i'm talking about here i don't know the dynamics of their kinks i'm not kink shaming anyone here <laughs> um but yeah you're right like the uh the the visual of the rabbit has some sort of negative connotation here uh which is weird that our characters gravitate and come to accept it even jojo rabbit like sort of you know wearing that as like the moniker of like who he is and like being corrected in some way they're like no you just need to kind of flip how you're looking at this thing that's don't you know w- take that insult and and wear it as some sort of badge of honor um, that you have some decency to yourself that you wouldn't want to kill a defenseless creature there's that's still in you. Uh, the other thing
0: that I noticed in my little quick research is that in certain Native American tribes, rabbits are seen as a, a kind of deity that are related to the creation of the world. And I thought that was really interesting because all three, once again, the world that the characters have created for themselves. Oh, in Donnie Darko, it's very kind of obvious. Like he has to kind of recreate the world and eliminate the current one, the, the, the alternate timeline. Uh, Harvey, he's, he has to reshape the way his, the, his outlook on life. Cause he's whatever has happened in his, in that past life he's done with. And then Joe, I, I, the entire ideology that he has grown up with and what he believes is right is really not. And so again, you're watching that over the course of the film, him, being kind of reprogrammed and rebuilt and under to, to understand and have that kind of empathy. I think that's another thing that kind of connects all three films. Again, I may, I may be grasping at straws here Whoa. because I so badly <laughs> want this to be a trilogy.
1: <laughs> Look, given that we, we had two swings at this or two pitches to hit that we said, no, 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 you know, give me, give me a knuckleball. I don't want anything easy over the plate. Uh, no, nothing. We didn't go with a one, two, three trilogy. There's officially sequels to a successful film. Presumably. Uh, we didn't even go with the thematic. Here's a director who's kind of, you know, he, right. he's had some articles on Indie wire and he's like, yeah, yeah, that was my what red curtain trilogy or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. It's that, no, <laughs> we think we know better. <laughs> We're going to watch what we want to watch <laughs> and tell you what's a trilogy. <laughs>
0: I think, is hopefully like you've got a lazy Sunday and you're looking for a couple things to watch. It's like, hey, how about this? And you throw these things out and how each of them, uh, how each of these films might complement one another. Uh, And I feel like we were successful in that regard i think each film you can go from one to another and discuss how perhaps like the rabbit is influential or why it's specific why it couldn't be any other animal and i think you can coax these kind of conversations out of the viewer if you watch all three of these films um do you have a preference as to like okay like uh, if you were to pick one of these three for that lazy sunday
1: uh, I mean, my preference, well, for uh, the are
0: thing, you different. All three yeah. kind of, they, they, they will satiate a very specific kind of
1: itch. I think if you're talking about a lazy Sunday, if you're giving me that, uh, those parameters, I, I feel like I have to go with, uh, you know, that, that almost negates Tony <laughs> Darko because in, <laughs> <laughs> in my old age,
0: you have to be in a mood to watch
1: you have to be in a mood um and also this is going to sound like very like basic sort of like i guess first world kind of problem type stuff but like coming home from work and being tired and like you know spending time with your partner or just other things other obligations you have like i found that i could i couldn't quite tap into the experience I had when I was younger watching it, where it felt like it truly did feel like a midnight movie. It feels like something like after you've watched something else or you want to like, I'm going to check out Donnie Darko again. Or it feels like one that you would have a great experience with it if you could just stumble upon it, like on uh, HBO or Showtime or something late at night and be like, what, what is this? And just kind of fall into it. And then you immediately go to sleep and maybe you have some weird dreams and you're thinking about the next day and it kind of sticks with you uh, programming it, you know, Sunday at one o'clock or <laughs> maybe you have to go mow the lawn after you have to, to go to the grocery <laughs> store. It just doesn't have the same feeling. So I, I had a harder time, uh, just from a practical nature, getting back into the, I guess the swing of like Donnie Darko or how, how to meet the film on its own terms. Um, so I, I, I certainly think Harvey and Jojo Rabbit, you know, my, my wife makes fun of me for having, um, uh, She'll say, like, just pick something. She's like, What about this? And I'm like, No, that's a daytime movie. No, that's a night movie. That's like a thing with me. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> like, no, I am the same way. Like I'm
1: I, when we talked about mulholland Drive in the Dying Darko episode, what am I gonna put that on at Sunday at ten AM? Like what what are you talking about? Exactly. My wife, uh,
0: because she was worried that it part two was gonna be too scary, she didn't want to watch it at night. She wanted to watch it like at noon on a Saturday. I was like, I don't wanna watch this in the <laughs> daylight <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't even it wasn't that scary, but yeah. Um, you know, the other interesting thing that just occurred to me is that all three of these films, uh, the, your protagonist is in a different time in their lives. In Jojo Rabbit, you've got a child with, with Donnie Darko. You've got somebody in their teens. And then in Harvey, you've got somebody, not at the end of his life, but like the, more towards uh, a little past maybe middle age. Uh Do you think? I mean, let's discount the fact that Donnie ultimately dies, but could these three be
1: slices of a single life? Well, neither one of us are yet at uh, Jimmy Stewart's uh, particular point in life for Harvey. Uh, Although, you know, given the current state of the world over the last four years, it certainly feels like. I don't I've aged uh exponentially faster. But yes, I mean I, I think in youth in particular like you know the JoJo he he wants to quickly find his place. He want, he wants to find his comfort zone and his acceptance. And there's the you know the, the the problems with a lot of coming of age stories particularly from a male point of view of emphasizing and maybe uh, embracing this hyper masculinity, which certainly uh, during the Nazi regime, uh, this idea of like physical perfection and dominance, and this like justifiable uh, view of yourself as being able to perform these atrocities and other people and put them under your thumb—that uh, that is a power trip for a young man. I, I mean, I don't—not to break it down into those sort of gender roles, but it's certainly something that pop culture has served up to us with superhero stories where. Uh, That's something that it seems like boys gravitate towards the, the teen angst that we talked about in Donnie Darko. He he has a bit where he actually is antagonizing, you know, Mr. Dirty dancing about uh, giving this, you know, just generic vanilla answer about uh, when he's trying to guide the youth as far as what they want to be when they grow up or finding your passion or just find what you love and do that. And uh boy, uh, Webb, your your favorite character in the film. He found what he loved, which was uh, <laughs> child pornography. He, and he just you know, he kept doing that, I guess, until our hero, <laughs> our superhero, stopped him. Um, but he takes all sorts. <laughs> goodness, our first month. <laughs> Leave a nice review, five stars. But you know, our lead character, Donnie, I think teenagers are also guilty of that as well. They, um, they embrace uh kind of openly that they don't know you know that there's there you're about to move on to the unknown but you're so desperate at least i don't know how it was for you but for me you're so desperate to like want to like you want to know what happens next like you want to know what adulthood's gonna be like if you could just race to get to that and he literally races to his doom but he goes out with a smile because um it has purpose and that's what he's looking for the other thing is while you do want to know what happens next it you have to,
0: I think all teenagers have that hubris of whatever happens, like I can handle whatever's coming next. And, and in fact, like, I, I feel like I already know, like I'm already there. And and I feel like that's, that's part of it. Um, why he can't like the, the concept of you know, I, I'm invincible and that's why he can get up in front of that crowd and say, no, you're wrong. Or he can get in front of the teacher and say, why should I care about this? So you have, you have that confidence, and then you get to Elwood, where it's like you've gone through all of that, and maybe you finally have learned how much of it matters, and what what ultimately really matters at the end of one's life um, are just simply the moments, whether the successes matter or not. Uh, I, I I like again it's 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 hard to say that if that if you were looking at these characters as a single life, it's hard to say that Harvey's uh, the Elwood peed out is is. The goal. Like that's where you want to end up. I don't
1: think that's the case. <laughs> well, he's still desperately clinging to his his ideology, uh as nice as it is of choosing to be pleasant over being smart. Um and not to get too into, you know, current sort of uh, buzzwords, but it is coming from a place of privilege, which in this case I guess the privilege also, I mean, he can financially, as I said in that episode, make yes. the time to be nice and decent, to everyone, and and take the time to get to know whoever walks through those doors. But it is the the, the privilege of life experience allows him that 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 comfort and I guess slowing down. That if you if you saw this and say the Donnie Darko character, y- you may see him as like a budding loser type. <laughs> Where it's like, well, you're a real slacker material where you're just like, I'm just whatever comes my way and I've got all the time in the world. And I, I think that's something that especially in modern society, I don't I don't think we try to implore that to uh, to our youth. Like I, that, that seems to only come out from very, very old men. Where it's like, you should really cherish, you know, your youth while you have it, and it's like, but yet, everything that we uh, promote in our education system is, you better have an answer fast because you're running behind right. someone else. And, and if you don't have an answer, the guy behind you <laughs> does. So yeah. get out of the way, Seth Rogen. There, he's he's got the answer. Oh man, is, yeah. but, <laughs> I don't know. That's something we didn't talk about in the film, and it's really got nothing to do with the theme. But uh, Seth Rogen as a, a bully. I don't know. I c- I couldn't shake freaks and geeks. <laughs> like, where <laughs> the most bullying he's going to do is maybe saying something smart-ass, like you know, someone right. something slightly insulting to you.
0: You see how I? It's not an ind- independent film. They got Seth Rogen. Oh, here we go to- again. Here we go. <laughs> you know, one of the things I loved about Parasite uh, is that one line where the fa- once the family's officially moved in, they're having that drunken night. Is the mom uh, says something along the lines of. When you're that rich, you can afford to be nice. Like, of course, you're mm, nice when yeah. you're that rich, and that's something that um, that I thought about when you just said that. Yeah, that the levels of privilege. Like, he's clearly he said he was successful, and now he can afford to be pleasant because of
1: that. You know what's boring? Being successful. I decided not to be <laughs> successful anymore. Right? <laughs> not I can make it rain every night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll do that instead. So. Do you think if you ever later in life get a chance to promote somebody comes up to you and says, I want to get into a good trilogy, <laughs> will you offer up this later film? Is our first month a failed experiment? Maybe we'll try better uh, next month.
1: I, th- I think the, uh, the first month should be a failed experiment. No, I am not. Submitting for the record that this was a failed experiment <laughs> at all. <laughs> I think we only have a failure in marketing when we call it dismissively the Rabbit trilogy. <laughs> I I think when we explained a little bit more in the title what we're going for, people are like, ah, yes. Um, I don't know. I, I hope that uh you know, what we're trying to do with this podcast is uh something, you know, similar to what I've I've done on other shows, which is is fine, some sort of unifying theme or something, some sort of connection. So we can talk about all movies basically, because you and I tend to wander in our discussions. You even brought in Parasite comparing poor Jimmy Stewart and Harvey <laughs> to the characters <laughs> of Parasite. <laughs> like who? <ew. laughs> yeah, we really, yeah, I would really be. miss the boat on that. Yeah. Um, really but what, right would, would I think that someone would get something out of, uh, you know, the, the having rabbits and imaginary friends uh, on the lazy Sunday. Um, maybe, maybe just flip it. Maybe, maybe don't have Donnie Darko be in the middle. Maybe that's the the, the final one. Uh, but then again, you you also get Harvey and uh, Jojo Rabbit. Maybe tonally, you, you may be uh, wanting. Uh, maybe you're sick of rabbits and this this whimsy at that point. So I don't know. I, I guess it just depends on your start time of Harvey to kind of get into it. So I doubt this is ever going to be on Turner Classic Movies on like a what a Sunday night, <laughs> no, <laughs> where no. Jojo Rabbit is wrapping it up at like two a.m. I don't I not know if that works. <laughs> uh, but no, I had fun with it. I I did I did as well. I had a lot of fun. And you know what's interesting is I really
0: tried like <laughs> the Rabbit trilogy concept. I really tried to find. And research the rabbit to see if that was the connecting tissue, but I think there's- whatever connects these three films, I don't think it's the rabbit. I think the rabbits are so superficial and so that that is you're right that is a failure on our part to like maybe force us into a really we gotta think deeper for that for the next set and 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 I think I think we're gonna learn learn from the mistakes of this one, but I'm thrilled that we did all three of these.
1: I, I'm trying not to uh, to think too deeply. Uh I, I will admit and you can cut this out, um, because it doesn't really fit with a uh a happy or jokey send off, but uh I recently lost uh my dog that I love dearly and his uh his favorite animal was a rabbit, so it was the only animal that he didn't uh, bark at. We live we back up to a farm and he was uh uh like always when the a rabbit would come into our yard was riveted and never barked, never growled, and just would wag his tail. And uh, for different reasons, I, I enjoyed this.
0: I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm glad that we got to uh, kind of honor your dog in, in that way. Right on. Rebirth. New podcast. Great way to start. Awesome.
2: goes into a podiatrist's office. The podiatrist says, what's the problem? The moth says, where do I begin with my problems? Every day I go to work for Gregory Vasilovich, and all day long I toil. But what is my work? I am a bureaucrat, and so every day I joylessly move papers from one place to another, and then back again. I no longer know what it is that I actually do. And I don't even know if Gregory Vassilovich knows. He only knows that he has power over me. And this seems to bring him much happiness. And where is my happiness? It is when I awake in the morning and I do not know who I am. In that single moment, I am happy. In that single moment, before the memory of who I am strikes me like a cane, and I take to the streets and walk in a malaise, here and then there and then here again. Then it is time for work. Others stop asking me what I do for a living long ago, for they know I will have no answer, and will fix my empty eyes upon them, and they fear my melancholia might prove so deep as to be contagious. Sometimes, Doc, in the deepest dark of night— I awake in my bed, and I turn to my right, and with horror, I see some old lady lying on my arm. An old lady that I once loved, Doc, in whose flesh I once found splendor, and now see only decay. An old lady who insults me by her very existence. Once, Doc, when I was young, I flew into a spider web and was trapped. In my panic, I smashed my wings— till the dust flew from them, but it did not free me, and only alerted the spider. The spider moved toward me, and I became still, and the spider stopped. I had heard many stories from my elders about spiders, about how they would sink their fangs into your cephalothorax, and you would be paralyzed but aware, as the spider slowly devoured you. So I remained as still as possible, but when the spider again began moving toward me, I smashed my wing again into my cage of silk, and this time it worked. I cut into the web and freed myself and flew skyward. I was free and filled with joy, but this joy soon turned to horror. I looked down and saw that in my escape I had taken with me a single strand of silk— and at the end of the strand was the spider who was scrambling upward toward me. Was I to die high in the sky where no spider should be? I flew this way, then that, and finally I freed myself from the strand and watched as it floated earthward with the spider. But days later a strange feeling descended upon my soul, Doc. I began to feel that my life was that single strand of silk with a deadly spider racing up it and toward me. And I felt that I had already been bitten by his venomous fangs and that I was living in a state of paralysis as life devoured me whole. My daughter, Alexandria, fell to the cold of last winter. The cold took her, as it did many of us, and so my family mourned. And I placed on my countenance the look of grief, Doc. But it was a masquerade. I felt no grief for my dead daughter, but only envy. And so I have one child now, a boy, whose name is Stefan Mikhailovich Smokovnikov. And I tell you now, Doc, with great and deep shame, the terrible truth, I no longer love him. When I look into his eyes... All I see is the same cowardice that I see when I catch a glimpse of my own eyes in a mirror. It is this cowardice that keeps me living, Doc, that keeps me moving from place to place, saying hello and goodbye, eating though hunger has long left me, walking without destination, and at night, lying beside this strange old lady in this burlesque of a life I endure— if only the cowardice would abate for the time needed to reach over and pick up the cocked and loaded pistol that lies on my bedside table. Then I might finally end this facade once and for all. But alas, the cowardice takes no breaks. It is what defines me. It is what frames my life. It is what I am. And yet I cannot resign myself to my own life. Instead, DESPAIR IS MY CONSTANT COMPANION AS I WALK HERE AND THEN THERE, WITHOUT DREAMS, WITHOUT HOPE, AND WITHOUT LOVE. MOTH, SAYS THE PODIATRIST, YOUR your TALE HAS MOVED ME, AND IT IS CLEAR YOU NEED HELP, BUT IT IS HELP I CANNOT PROVIDE. YOU MUST SEE A PSYCHIATRIST AND TELL HIM OF YOUR TROUBLES. WHY ON EARTH DID YOU COME TO MY OFFICE? The moth says, because the light was on.